It has been four long months and 12 days on top of that. It's been a third of a year since I've even talked to you. Skin Wade, but we are finally back on numbers on the boards. Basketball is back, Skin. How the heck are you? Man, I'm doing good, Bobby. And uh, I uh, stuck my head in the NBA TV world last night, and it really got the juices flowing. You know, it's it's funny. I, I've kind of had this, you know, been knowing that it's coming and thinking about it. But being able to actually watch a Laker Mavs scrimmage game this evening is making this uh, is making this very real and getting me really excited. I've never been as pumped to see Talon Horton Tucker play basketball <laughs> as I am today, man. Uh, this is going to be incredible. I'm 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 so excited. Uh, thank you all for uh, for staying patient as basketball was sadly missing for our lives, but for for good reasons. But we are finally back for real, for real on numbers on the boards presented by Bed Gear Skin. I have a very comfortable bed and a very comfortable pillow, but I've been spending far too much time sleeping. I'm ready for basketball to get back rolling, and it starts tonight with the Mavs and the Lakers. But, uh, man, I mean, I don't even know where to begin because it's been so long since we've talked and since, mm -hmm. since the Mavs have played. I mean, there's a whole lot to catch up on. So I'm just going to open the floor to you. Where do you want to, to start this thing? You know, I, I think the thing, I, I think a lot of different things at different times. And quite frankly, because of the state of the world, sometimes I'll go a couple of days, I might not even think about basketball. But as I get ready for what's about to roll out, and, you know, more specifically a week from tomorrow, when you have these eight games to see if you can really boogie and make something matter, I'm so interested to see what these guys are going to look like. Uh, you know, in other words, that's such a weird layoff. Uh, not only has it been longer than a normal offseason, but those guys haven't even been playing basketball together. I mean, normally, let's say the season ends, you don't make the playoffs. Season ends mid-April. Those guys will be involved in some pickup games with each other by late May or early June. So th this is truly a weird thing. I mean, they those guys have probably played more golf together than basketball over the last four months. So uh, – I think that's the biggest curiosity for me is this idea that, all right, here's 22 teams and here's where they're ranked. And you're like, based on what? I mean, that was so long ago. Who knows what this basketball is going to be like? So that's my biggest curiosity is, is this going to be the Maverick team where KP was wowing us all? And are, do Maxie and Dorian pick up where they left off and all those kinds of things? It's just, I, I can't wait to see what it actually looks like because I don't have a good feel for it at all. Yeah, it's like a totally new season. Yeah. I mean, everything that happened, like this is the oldest, most tired cliche in the book, but you really can just kind of throw the records out of the window right. for this because, you know, even, as, even assuming that every player is going to be in you know at the same level of game shape right like there's no stragglers there's no guys who are just miles ahead of everybody else um the playing field is has probably never been flatter in the history of the nba because right. you know teams are they have a record right teams are ranked right now and so like la is number one milwaukee is number one dallas is seventh place right now but everybody's starting from the same exact point and so really anything can kind of happen and and, and that goes for the mavs that goes for the bucks i mean every team is, uh, is, is operating from the same position right now. And it's just really interesting because basketball has never been really looked at as like the sport of parody. Mm -hmm. But now more than ever, 
every team is just as strong as they like in anything is possible. Anything is possible. Uh, get real Kevin Garnett situation going on in the NBA right now. But uh, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe we can kind of reset the Mavs season. So if like skin and like me, uh, I'm wearing a Mavs shirt right now. So I'm all in on the Mavs now, but there, there have been plenty of moments over the course of um, this, this four month period where, uh, basketball does kind of stray a little further from your conscious than maybe it's 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 used to being, especially this time of year. You know, right now we'd be talking about free agency and everything. Right. Um, but to kind of reset the season, Luca is amazing. Oh my God, he's averaging twenty nine nine and nine. He's incredible. KP was really starting to pick it up. Um, I mean, he was playing great really ever since coming back from from the knee injury and even before that or the knee soreness, whatever it was, and even before that. Uh, he was playing great uh, all, all basically in the weeks leading up to Christmas, but things were really starting to come together for them in, you know, late February through mid-March, whenever both of those guys, Luke and KP, were on the floor, they were really starting to figure it out, get that two-man game going. KP was moving to the five and playing great, mm-hmm. uh, shooting like seven, eight, nine threes a game, basically doing a lot of the things that you and I thought that he would be doing, you know, whenever we were talking in September. Uh, right, kind of the season preview pod. We were talking about KP's numbers are going to look like they're going to just blow your mind. Twenty-five and ten, he's going to be taking ten threes a game. He was doing all of that stuff. It just took him a little longer to get to that place than maybe you or I expected. But uh, he was there, man, and and it was it was very exciting. And uh, you know, the role player Seth Curry was playing great. Tim Hardaway was playing great. Uh, mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleber were killing it. And and Dallas kind of turned to this like all-time small ball look with KP at the five, Maxi at the five off the bench, Boban and everything. And so they kind of set the table for what we could expect in the playoffs. Now we just had to wait a little longer to get there, but we're finally about to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, whenever you think about this season, what has kind of been, you know, the, the story of this season in the record books will be the year that COVID happened. Right. But from 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 where you're sitting right now, through the Mavs' first 67 games, and then also kind of what you're thinking about going into the playoffs, what has kind of been like the story of this season? What are like the two or three or four things that you think about whenever you think about Mavs basketball big picture this season? Well, uh, so let me do this. Let me do a distinction between what we've experienced and what we're about to experience, because I think there's a couple things that are little uh, predictors of what's about to happen. And I, here's a real subtle, tiny little thing that happened that maybe not a lot of people are thinking about, but I think is a great indicator about what we're about to watch over eight regular season games and then hopefully a long playoff run. The Mavericks replaced Willie Cauley-Stein with Trey Burke. If that doesn't give you an indication of what we're about to see, then I don't know what to tell you, baby. Yeah. We're about to see – the most potent offensive team or one of the three most potent offensive teams in that bubble. And, you know, as the great Derek Harper likes to say, you know, shot making comes and goes, but this team can absolutely fill it up. And one of the guys that has me the most excited is Seth Curry being completely healthy and ready to rock and roll and establishing himself as one of the most prolific shooters of the last 25 years, right? If you just want to look at uh, percentages and the efficiency with which he gets what he gets uh, within the flow of everything. And so with, so with, with Porzingis, you, you very uh, eloquently articulated where he was headed and what he was doing. 
And so with Luca being all world and KP being that, what is the defense going to do? I mean, I, I think Seth Curry is going to have some space to feast. And then teams go, well, we can't leave that guy open. And then suddenly guys are cutting back door for wide open dunks. And so this, this team will be, uh, you know, if these guys just sort of come close to picking up where they left off, this team is impossible to defend. Um, and that's the most exciting thing because, you know, defense matters a lot. Rebounding matters a lot. But let's face it, we all get drunk off high-scoring offenses. So uh, let's imbibe. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch this team, see if they can pick it up quick. Because, you know, with eight, eight games is nothing. I mean, that is nothing. And so it's going to be eight games and then everything matters and then traditional home court advantages don't exist. So you're suddenly truly going to basketball bizarro world. So whichever team, I think, uh, gets their offense together and firing on all cylinders the fastest has the best chance of winning the tournament. Uh, that, it's, almost like a, it's almost like the uh, March Madness or something. Whichever team figures out how to get their offense firing the fastest sooner, it takes a while to get teams tied together defensively. I don't know that they can do it in eight games, you know, uh, and then every game matters, and then people are scrambling, and then you got to adjust. And it, it's uh, the, the free-for-all element uh, is very exciting from the Mavericks' perspective because they have nothing to lose, uh, but they have a very potent offense that could come together and fuel them on a long run. Do you think that just in your experience knowing Harp and being around basketball for as long as you have, do you think that they are – well, I, I want to kind of frame this carefully. They get so many wide-open shots because mm -hmm. of Luka – like, mm -hmm. right now, the, the player who's taken the most wide-open threes in the NBA this season is Maxi Kleba, if you can wow. believe that. This isn't wow. per game. This is, like, total. And he comes off the bench. He plays, like, 20, 25 minutes a game. They're he not covering the most, him. What's that? They're not covering him. No, they're not covering him at all. And number nine on that list is Dorian Finney-Smith. So that. these are two guys who are getting wide open. And that's the NBA classifies a wide-open three as six feet or more of space between you and the nearest defender. Mm -hmm. and Tim Hardaway Jr. gets – he doesn't get a lot of wide-open looks, but he gets a lot of open looks. Seth Curry gets a lot of open looks. Even KP gets a lot of open looks because Luka is so he, – he creates such chaos whenever he's driving down the lane coming off screens and all these things. Now, in the playoffs, it's, it's a little tougher to create open looks because teams are going to kind of pick up on what you're doing. But whenever you get as many open looks as the Mavs get, do you think that – the rhythm is going to be easier or tougher to find because there's really, I, I, and you know, I'm the highest level basketball I played was, you know, B team freshman year. So I'm not exactly like a, a genius when it comes to playing sports, but it that feels a good like, squad, by the way, what's that? Was that a pretty good squad? Uh, yeah, we made it to the, uh, to the district tournament to the second right. round. So, right. I mean, yeah, you know, just make, make use that information as well, but yeah. Uh, whenever everything is open, and whenever you have a guy like Luca who makes everything so easy, all it really does come down to is just making your shots. But you know, other teams kind of have to work a little tougher, or maybe like you have more playmakers, more guys you have to get involved. But with Dallas basically going all in on small ball and on it's not even small ball; it's huge ball. Luca's a six eight point guard. KP's a yeah. seven three center. But skill whenever ball. when whenever it's just one 
one ball handler, one screener, and three shooters, it feels like it's a, maybe a little easier to pick up where you left off. Mm-hmm. Or am I maybe underestimating what, what four months of layoff can do to you? No, I like where you're going, and it, it activates a lot of different references for me, Bobby. But the, the number one thing is that if your first look is a clean, open look, that gives you the best chance to having a great game. The best thing you can do in a game is have your first shot be a layup. The second best thing you can do in a game is have your first shot mean you get fouled and you get to go to the free throw line. And then, obviously, the next best thing is to have a wide-open, clean look. You know, each – hell, each quarter, but each game is its own living, breathing organism that feeds off of the energies that are going around it and the circumstances that are happening in it. And so that's why that whole idea of, like, oh, man, that guy was cooking last night. Well, you know, what happened? Was his first shot a wide-open look? Did he just, uh, you know, get a new girlfriend and it made him happy? Uh, did he just have an incredible investment and he was floating in that day? There's a lot of abstract went all things. in on Tesla. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen to put you in the right frame of mind. I mean, old Jamal Crawford has to do is take a dribble, right? So, uh, but one of the, the easiest ways to get into a groove is get wide open looks. And uh, our buddy that we all uh, look up to for his intrepid reporting, Tim McMahon, uh, sometimes I'll say something on this podcast or I'll tweet something and he'll shoot me a text and tell me I'm an idiot. And one of my favorite moments of the year was we were talking about, uh, I said the story of the year for the Mavericks was Maxi and Dorian. And he was like, hey, dumbass, they got Luka Doncic. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, point well taken, Tim. But my point is this, you can load up on Luka Doncic and make his life miserable. And so if the role players step up, that's your story. Because if the role, because Luca is going to Luca, and then by the end of the year, KP was KPN, and so, and I don't think it's any coincidence that a lot of fans had written off Tim Hardaway Jr. and he had an incredible year. It's because of who you're playing with. All these things have context. I always use that Monte Ellis example. The entire league had written him off, and my point was he's never played with Dirk. Like, Jason Terry's going to have his number hanging in the rafters because he came off a Dirk screen for the majority of his career. Context matters. And so my point with Tim Hardaway Jr. is, and I knew there was guys on that staff that were excited about getting him. They just wanted to get him healthy. But, you know, you put a guy who takes bad shots on a bad team, well, guess what? That's going to suck. It's going to be bad. It's going to, you know. Uh, so this whole Luca changes the dynamic of everything, which is why the Mavericks were, were going to move mountains to get him because they saw it with Dirk. Dirk changed everything for two decades. As long as they have Luca, he's going to change everything. So then you go, all right, who are the guys that are stepping up? Teams could have had Maxi Kleba and Dorian. Like, they, they were free agents. Now there was mechanisms to keep them and stuff. But if someone knew, those are two of the most under guy, underpaid guys in the league. And if someone knew that they would step up and deliver the way that they did, people would have given them more money. And I think the Mavericks would have given them more money. And so my whole point is that those guys embracing the role of being defensive stoppers, a part of a team concept, and knocking down those shots, you and I have talked a lot about their three-point field goal percentage and how both of those guys were essentially top 10 3 and D players in the league, statistically speaking, two on the same team versatile defenders there's going to be games where Dorian's going to get the majority of his minutes at the four spot so I think when you look at all that 
uh, obviously Luca changes everything, but who's going to step up and do what they do? And I think that if Dorian and Maxi pick up with three-point shooting percentages that are at least within striking distance of what they were doing, tell me they can't they can't go all the way. I'll fight you on that. And uh, I've sat in a lot of production meetings over the last couple of weeks as we get ready for this. And you brought up Harp, and you know Harp. Harp is you know you just pick up so many little nuggets of wisdom whether you're on TV or not. Just you're around him, you pick up these nuggets, and he's big on uh, you know the vibe of the team and the way guys are around each other. And before all of uh, you know, I mean, I guess some of the chopper stuff had been coming out on uh, Mab social media. We'd seen a little bit of it. But one of the things Harp was talking about in one of these meetings I was sitting in, and maybe he'll bring it up on the, the exhibition stream tonight on Mavs.com. But he's like, I give them as good a chance as anybody because these guys like each other and they pull for one another. And in a, it always matters, but it really matters now. Can you imagine if, like, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard didn't like each other having to come together in eight games? I mean, they're the best team, in my opinion. But, you know, uh, coming together in such a short period of time and everyone pulling for one another, uh, that's, that's a lot. Uh, that, that asks a lot of your character and your mentality and your outlook. And I think by all accounts, these guys really, really like each other and they have a potent offense. And I think you mix those things together, and that's something we can all be pumped up about. Shouts to Chopper, by the way. Oh, my oh, God. He's killing guy. it. So he, He's yeah. Jay Chenick on on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. But, I mean, dude, he's been incredible. And, and, and Harp is dead on with that. I mean, these guys really do like each other, and we're seeing it every single day on our phones, on our computer screens. I mean, wh- any, anywhere you look, any outlet that covers the NBA, whether it's in Dallas or National, is talking about the Mavs because they're, like, the only team that's having fun down there, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's cool to enjoy yourself. And uh, it's cool to, like, openly enjoy yourself. You don't have to lie about it. It's fun to hang out with your friends. And these guys are friends. And that will matter because whether they're fans or not, whether there's, you know, 5,000 reporters in the locker room before a game or not, whether there's, uh, you know, no matter, no matter what's going on, in Orlando, you're not going to be in a hostile environment. You're going to be in a neutral environment. But there's still going to be a ton of pressure once you get into the playoffs. And you need to be able to rely on each other because, you know, they do have a chance to, to do something here. They have a chance to win a series. They have a chance to maybe go on a little run or something. But um, if, if, you know, the, the wagons aren't pulled together, right, then mm-hmm. you're going to fall apart at the first sign of adversity. And that happens to teams all the time. But it, it won't happen to them. Now – they could lose a series because the other team is better than them, but they're sure. not going to lose a series because they hate each other. They're, no one, yeah. no one's going to, no one's going to, you know, duck out on their teammates. No one's going to, no one's going to back out on the team because these guys are all in together, and that's that's really really important. I think the access to this is a subtle thing, but I think to kind of underscore what you're saying there, Bobby, the access to which Chopper has been given, the level of access, I think speaks volumes. You know, you and I have been around this team for a while, and, you know, by Rick's own admission, he hasn't always been the guy to let everybody in on everything and see all the practices and all that kind of stuff. And he's been more guarded with those kinds of things. And it's like open book down there. And Rick's a very smart guy. We all know that. So what's the motivation there? The motivation is that having all these guys – having Chopper go out with them when they're playing – what's that thing called spike ball or they're on the golf course or whatever – is saying it's he, 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 you know, players like 
that stuff. They like it being on social media. They like for people to see all that kind of stuff. And so to give Chopper all that access so that he can do that and put that out there is an indication that Rick likes those guys being invested in this thing beyond just whatever's going to happen for 48 minutes. All of that works together. And I think it's really uh, intuitive of Rick to recognize that. And I think it does pull all of this stuff together and, and gives them an, an even better chance to, to do something really special together. Well, what was interesting is the, the other day, uh, kind of piggybacking off that, um, Jenny Busick came on Mavs Daily, which is another podcast that we have. If you don't listen to that, definitely check it out. It's Mavs Daily. It's on every, every podcast platform. Um, but uh, Mavs assistant coach Jenny Busick came on with Becca and was talking about, Becca asked her basically like, what are your impressions of the team chemistry? Because it seems like they like each other. Are we, are we full of crap or are we onto something here? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, they really do like each other. And that, you know, not only do the guys get along, but Rick and the coaching staff and the support staff and everybody around the team kind of recognizes that, you know, you have to create a culture and create a, a, uh, a, a team wide situation that is going to maximize your stars strengths. Right. Mm -hmm. And Luca is the best player on this team. He's the guy that is going to determine basically, you know, are, are you a championship team or not? Um, And he's at his best when he's having fun. Whenever things are laid back, whenever he can make dumb jokes and try dumb trick shots and like do all of the things that your, your mean high school coaches told you not to do. Luca loves doing all of those things. And so Rick and, 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 and Jenny and Jamal Mosley and all of the coaches and all the players, everybody in the organization from top to bottom recognizes that if you want to keep Luca happy and you, if you want to keep Luca good, you got to keep him happy, right? In order to keep him happy, you got to just have fun and, and, yeah. and cut back and sort of relax and enjoy yourself and do all these things. And, you know, Dirk was always a goofy guy too. Yeah. But, you know, it just wasn't – I think he was cool with keeping all the goofy stuff behind the scenes. Right. But Luca, like Luca wants to be, he's loud and proud about his, yeah. about his goofball nature. And, and these guys all seem to really um, appreciate that about him. And, and they seem to be in on it too. I mean, I don't think anybody likes making fun of Luca more than Jalen Brunson. I mean, all of these guys just like having a good time together and it's really cool to see, you know, it, it, it was happening to a degree earlier in the regular season, but especially in Orlando, Rick and the, and the rest of the organization kind of lean all in on like, let's just be, let's be the fun team. Like that, that is cool. We're, we're okay with that. Do you know what it kind of reminds me of? And we weren't there for, but you read stories. It reminds me of very early on in that dynasty assistant coaches going to Popovich and saying, man, you've got to let Manu be Manu. You're trying to uh, tame this wild bronc a little too much. And, you know, even though Pop has his philosophies and he's very rigid on those things in a lot of ways, uh, he relented. And, you know, he would complain about it to the media about how much three, how many threes they were shooting and whatnot. But look what it did. That's, that's a recognition of what I would just call intelligent adaptability. Um, you know, I think Pop's a really smart guy. I think Rick's a really smart guy. And recognizing, all right, the way I've done things here may not work here. So let's, let's change it up and, and go with what we feel like the strength is and, you know, just yet another reason to feel good about the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, Skin, what is the yep. situation? The Mavs are going to play a scrimmage tonight against the Lakers. They got two more coming against the Pacers and the Sixers before the games really begin next week. So let's fast forward through these scrimmages. Let's assume everything all goes according to plan. Uh, I believe you'll be on the call 
of uh, of that Sixers scrimmage, by the way, on, on the 28th. Is that correct? Yeah, is that the, that's the Tuesday night. There's going to be two without me, and then the Tuesday, I think, is uh, – are they running that one on Fox, right? Yeah, that one is that one is on Fox. Yeah, so I'll be a part of that. And then uh, the the very nice folks at 97-1, the Eagle, have allowed me to, uh, you know, position my schedule as such that I'll be on all the regular season games as well. And so we don't know what the playoff schedule is yet, but I would assume I'd be on all of those games that uh, we broadcast. So, uh, so I'm excited, man, because I'm going to get to be a part of the call on all of these. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to the first two scrimmages, but I'm especially looking forward to the third one. Yeah. Uh, oh, but yeah. Let's assume that they, they get through these uh, all right, you know, unscathed. Everything is, everything is good. They're ready to go for the first game yep. against the Rockets. So going into this eight-game restart, Every team is playing eight games, no matter how many games you played in the regular season. Well, the Mavs played three more games than Houston and OKC. And for the sake of math, let's just say those three extra games were all losses. Right. So they have the same number of wins as Houston and OKC, uh, but they're a game and a half behind them in the standings. And they're two and a half games behind Utah, who's in fourth place. So Dallas is sitting in seventh place. Now they do play Houston and they play Utah. Right. So if you want to move up, those two games are, are pretty much must wins. As it stands now, they're staring down Kawhi, Paul George, and the Clippers in the first round. Uh, the Clippers are a game and a half ahead of Denver, who's in third place. And so there's a chance those two teams could flip. There's also a very good chance that Utah could drop or that Houston or OKC could rise or that the Mavs could rise. Uh, so I think we're in agreement that the Clippers are probably the best team in the NBA. And so avoiding them in the first round is a pretty good idea if you can do it. Um, but what will, I guess, the Mavs need to do in order to, to avoid them other than win more games than Houston and OKC? Um, what, what kind of things need to happen for them to move up and, and get a matchup against Denver or Utah or even Houston or OKC or one of these other teams? Yeah, I don't – I mean, really, Bobby, I think it's – I think you just start getting ready for the Clippers, right? I think it's going to be very difficult. Um, they would probably have to go at worst six and two, including beating Utah and uh, Houston, and maybe hope that, you know, as we're sitting here talking about how well the Mavericks are getting along, uh, getting along, maybe Utah hates each other because of Rudy and Spider. I don't know. Uh, but it's, I think it's really, obviously you got to take care of business but I think there's kind of got to be some sort of weird outlier with one of these other teams to really move positions. And I agree with you. I, I think the Clippers are very likely your uh, NBA champion this year. We were talking about that before the season got weird. Um, I would have much, much, much rather played the Lakers than the Clippers, and it's not even close. Um, but uh, having said all of that, uh, you don't worry about that. You just go and you play your style of basketball and – you know, you never know, you know, once you get into thing, what weird things can happen. Um, and, I, and I think the most interesting idea of all of this is that there's – did you watch any of the games last night that were on uh, NBA TV or the league pass? Did you I see – I saw some Bull Bull highlights, but otherwise, no, I didn't, I didn't watch full games. It's so unique uh, because of no fans and coaches being spaced. It's almost like – and then there's these windows up, right? It's almost like some weird version of summer league basketball in a hockey arena or something. It is so interesting. Uh, you usually uh, don't see that caliber of athletes playing in games in that kind of an environment. It's like being dropped into a practice or something. But um, it's really weird. 
it's really weird, uh, which I think is an advantage for the Mavericks too. Um, because the whole idea of, you know, feeding, like I, I keep going back to the last dance and how uh, Michael Jordan's kids were like, yeah, daddy wouldn't even let us go to Utah because it was such a horrible atmosphere. You don't have any of that. So it's truly just, all right, here's a game where uh, it's open run at the LA Sports Club uh, who can ball out. So uh, I think the sort of weird intangible things are good for the Mavericks. I just think, uh, and then based on the games that they played this year, the Clippers are the worst possible matchup. So I'm hoping for the outlier. I'm hoping for something weird for Houston or Utah. Uh, but I'm, I'm gearing myself for, all right, uh, let's have a bloodbath with the Clippers and catch some breaks. Because I think that's far and away the most likely scenario. They did have – so they, they played twice in the regular season. One of them was a, a pretty lopsided Clippers win. That was toward the beginning of the season. It was right around Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah. And then they played again in late January. That was KP's first game back from missing, I think, 10 games or eight games or something like that. Yeah. And that was also the same game that Dwight Powell ruptured his Achilles. And so KP was four of 17 in that game. Powell only played like three or four minutes. So they were kind of like up against it from a rotation standpoint. And they still right. almost won the game. Um, I think the Clippers, the Clippers were like killing them in the for most of the game, and then Dallas kind of made a comeback. They had a shot to tie the game. I want to say Luca passed up a three, swung it over to Tim Hardaway on the wing, and, and he missed a, a an open look, basically like with you know twenty seconds left or something like that. So right. It was a really good game, but I mean Kawhi Leonard has about as much playoff experience as anybody in the bubble, not named LeBron, and uh, that that would be a really tough matchup. But I mean, if you if you want to view it this way, and I've said this kind of a few times. Um, if you're Luca and you want to learn what it takes to win, yep. going up against Kawhi Leonard is probably the best way to do it because he's going to be guarding you. Paul George is going to be guarding you. These are guys who have been there and done that, and there's a lot to learn from seeing them up close uh, for a seven-game series, whether it's four games or seven. Whether you win or lose, you're going to take a whole lot out of that series. Um, but if you can move up, definitely move up. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, so and it's not even just those two guys. You're dead on about that, but I would also throw. There's going to be times where Patrick Beverly is covering Luca. You know the the idea in uh, in football, the idea is to confuse the quarterback with a bunch of different looks. The idea in basketball is to throw as many different great defenders and double teams coming from different directions and never getting settled into a rhythm. And they have three of the top ten perimeter defenders in the league arguably three of the top five right I mean obviously a guy like Paul George will coast at times for you know offensive reasons same with Kawhi but when those guys want to they can just lock you down in a way that nobody else can so uh, it's a mixture of size and speed and length and athleticism and all these different things so you know the, the, the Clippers put together a monster squad and uh, their two best players are I mean, I, I would argue that Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the NBA right now. It's not like I'm going out on some limb. Uh, I don't know that I hear people say that enough, but I, yeah, when you're splitting hairs of greatness, that's fine. But, you know. He averaged 30 a game in the playoffs and won a title last season. I mean, that's. I mean, no disrespect to Kyle Lowry, who I've been a fan of, and Siakam exploded and all these things. But, dude. That was about as get on my back and let's roll of a scenario that we've seen since 2011, right? So, uh, you know, Clippers are they're tough, but 
I uh, didn't mean to go all the way. Who's it? Ric Flair that says to uh, be the best, you got to beat the best. So uh, let's go full wrestling here in honor of Mark Followell. And uh, whoever you play is whoever you play. You're playing with house money. Go kick some ass. Yeah, well, and, and like, I think it would be cool. I mean, it would obviously be awesome to win a championship, and it would be cool to even win one series. But uh, their odds right now are either seven or six. It's almost guaranteed that they'll be seventh or sixth. And so right. if you do get to sixth and you win a series – you're going to play the Clippers anyway. Yeah. So, like, you're going to play them at some point, no matter how yeah. good or bad you are. So, like, you might as well, you know, just do it. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, any playoff experience is a good experience. And that's been, like, the whole – my whole thing all season, ever since they made the KP trade, is just get to the playoffs, get the first one out of the way, no matter how beautiful or ugly it is, whether you get swept or you win a championship, get the first one out of the way and then start, you know – that's, that's whenever things start really picking up. But uh, once you get to the playoffs, you learn a lot about your team, right? You learn what your yep. real strengths are. You learn what your weaknesses are, what your players on your team need to address, and maybe players or moves you need to make in order to solve those weaknesses from outside of the team. And so, uh, you know, I'm not sure that anything is going to be proven, certainly in the scrimmages, but even in the eight-game restart and even in a playoff series. But just generally speaking, what do you think are um, – the strengths of this team, other than just Luca and KP are good, but what, what are strengths of this team that will kind of come to the fore uh, over the next few weeks? And then maybe what is uh, on, on the flip side, on the more negative side? Uh, you can start with the negative first if you want to. Um, but what are, what are maybe weaknesses or, or kind of like weak points of this team that we're going to learn about or that will kind of be exposed that maybe we'll be, you know, you and I will be talking about the team looking to improve uh, whenever free agency is in October or November? Yeah, I would think, you know, th this is more of an abstract thing, but I think the number one thing that they lack uh, is sort of just like, you know, if you want to say mental toughness or junkyard dog ability or some of those kinds of things where they may have it, but we've never, you don't really know that till the playoffs, you know, and as much as we talk about Dirk in 2011, I mean, they had Deshaun Stevenson and, uh, Jason Kidd did it quietly, but he was about as mean a son of a bitch as you ever come across. I mean, that guy is a fierce, fierce competitor and uh, backs down to no one. And so uh, I, I don't know, you know, if you were going to ask me, hey, who's the toughest guy on the Mavs? I'd say Berea. Um, and so I don't even know how much he's going to play. And he's also, uh, he'll tell you, he's shorter than me. So, um <laughs> You know, it would be great if they had a Patrick Beverly type or a Deshaun Stevenson type. Um, but maybe that guy will – will maybe we don't know it. And Dorian, who is very easygoing and has a very even-keeled demeanor, maybe he's that. Maybe Maxi becomes more of that. Uh, you know, we, we, it, it just remains to be seen, right? So I think they – those things you always want, those intangibles in situations like this, playoff situations and tournament situations. So I don't know. I think that's probably the most glaring thing. And then I think that easily segues to how tied in will this team be defensively? Um, can they ratchet it up a notch? You know, it's cool, man. I, I can't remember how much we talked about this, Bobby, but Seth Curry, and I saw it during the playoffs when he was in Portland, but Seth Curry is a better defender than he gets credit for. Um, and then I think, you know, when Tim is healthy, he can be a really good active type defender. Uh, we know about Dorian and Maxie. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, there's just going to be a lot asked. I mean, this is, this is KP's first playoff action outside of stuff he did in tournaments in Europe, right? So what kind of a playoff performer is he? Because he was a great defensive presence protecting the rim and funneling, uh, you know, drivers towards him. And him, you know, you had some great stats early in the year about the Mavericks, you know, where they were trying to get people in that mid-range area. And, you know, can they get their team defensive concept to, to force uh, teams into the types of shots the Mavericks want them to take? I think those are their two biggest questions that, that need to be answered. Yeah, defensively especially, I think KP, I mean, he's one of the best rim protectors in the league. And, and Maxie will probably be playing more center than power forward, but he'll definitely be defending on the perimeter. Uh, Finney Smith as well, Tim Hardaway as well. And Seth Curry, uh, like you said, he, he can make splash plays. He can, he can get his hands in passing lanes and, and, and you know, kind of create interceptions and go the other way, which is really good because the Mavs play such a kind of conservative, safe defense, like dropping KP way back, mm-hmm. encouraging mid-range jumpers, and, and, and then kind of like choosing who they want to leave open on the perimeter because you can't guard everybody in the NBA with the way that the, the rules are and spread pick and roll and everything. But you can kind of like the way that teams do with Maxi, you can sort of leave some guys open if you need to. Uh, right. Maxi has punished them for that this season. So is Dorian, but other teams, maybe not so much, but um, that whenever you play that safely, it's really hard to create turnovers. Right. And so having yeah. Seth out there is really good because he can kind of, he can make some plays. DeLon Wright can definitely make plays, steals, uh, blocks. You know, he's he's really good, strangely, at, like, intercepting entry passes. Yeah. Um, the entry pass is, like, a lost art in the NBA. And yeah. I, I feel like my dad whenever I say that. But, like, guys just can't make an entry pass. And DeLon is one of the few players that can really punish them for that, uh, for that kind of lacking ability, which really makes my heart happy. Um, but, you know, you, you got to create something. And so – you know, like the Bucks, for example, the Mavs kind of like model their defense sort of after the Bucks with the way that they use Brooke Lopez. But Giannis is like a cheat code, and they don't have anybody like Giannis. But uh, the Bucks force more turnovers than Dallas. In fact, every team in the NBA except for one forces more turnovers than Dallas on a possession by possession basis. And so, uh, if you're not going to force turnovers, you better force tough shots. And right. it's it's tough to do both of those things in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see how that happens. And, uh, and how they can handle that. But uh, on the flip side, what are some positives, some strengths? What are some things about this team that you think will be coming out of the playoffs, win or lose, being like, wow, either I didn't know that or, like, I thought that, but that's this is confirmed now? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, to the point that you were making, if the Mavericks go on a long run or win a lot, it's going to be because their offense is absolutely humming at a historic level. And I think that the normal – uh, grind of the defensive grind of the playoffs, I think will be minimized this time around because of uh, just the very nature of what this tournament is a tournament and the nature of what this tournament is, I think we'll minimize that a little bit because, you know, teams come together defensively over periods of time. And I, I don't think there's enough time, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously you mentioned Milwaukee and if you have the, uh, some sort of defensive catalyst that can spur all that, uh, you know, cool. But I just think it's a little different than normal. And I think even sitting on tendencies, you know, that that you do in the playoffs, I mean, or I would think teams are planning to come into this bubble doing things they didn't even do a couple months ago. I, I know if I was, 
you know, Rick always talks about the random nature of their offense. If I was designing an offense, I would have spent the last month rolling out new stuff and then spend these time and go, hey, we're going to do this and this and just try to give people something different to look at. Um, you know, I mean, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here anyways, but wrinkles matter. Um, and, you know, I, I, the little staggered screen in 2011 with Tyson and Dirk that uh, Jet came off of and the times that they would utilize that, those, those things really matter, right? So um, I think that uh, if, if, you know, we, we've talked a lot about their offense, but if they do go on a long run, it's going to be because of it really more guys like Seth and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian and Maxie just lighting it up and uh, hitting at a really prolific clip. Well, we're going to find out soon, man. Well, we're going to find out how it happens. Again, this is the number one offense of all time. Let's go. In the points per 100 possessions. Uh, they are as better than uh, – well, how do I phrase this? They score – the difference between them and second place in terms of points scored per 100 possessions is basically the difference between second and 14th. And so they are like – they're miles ahead of everybody. And that's going through an entire season – with a lot of like freak injuries, Luca rolling his ankle in a practice, uh, KP's knee flaring up and just giving him a little bit of a hard time. You know, right. these are uh, these are things that can't really plan for or account for, and that cost their star players a lot of games. And yet they were still able to win forty of their first sixty-seven and still have the number one offense ever. And so you got to think like if they're just, if they're okay, like if they come out, they're feeling good, they're healthy and everything that they will be able to kind of pick back up sort of where they left off. And if they can improve the defense, especially then uh, the foundation is laid for maybe something pretty good happening. Let, let, me, we'll let me throw one more quick thing out there, Bobby, before we bounce. Uh, I was talking to a guy that works in the league. This was probably, I don't know, four weeks ago, maybe. And, uh, you know, we're having a conversation just like you and I would have. Hey, what do you think about, you know, Seth? And, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? And then, like, almost every question I would ask, he'd cut me off and go, health, 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 health. <laughs> and it's like one of those things where it's, go, okay, well, obviously, if everyone's healthy. But his point was, wh what are we basing any of this on? You know, what if a team actually – uh, are these guys going to be responsible and make sure that all their teammates don't get the vid? What, what, you know, what is the most likely thing to derail the Clippers? Somebody gets COVID. I mean, quite frankly, right? So we, we probably need to spend a little more time at least pondering the idea of which one of these 22 teams, and if you want to narrow it down to 16 because of who's going to make it, who actually stays healthy with their ankles, their knees, and their immune system because the vid can, uh, you know, have all this thing collapse for any one of these teams. And that's a fact. And hopefully it doesn't happen for anybody. Yeah, but, no, and, it, and it hasn't so far. The most recent rounds of testing, everybody was uh, negative and, you know, they're testing a lot of people very often. And so hopefully right. everything goes, goes swimmingly, but there are a lot of factors that you cannot account for. It's, it's just our job to uh, to really hype up the ones that we can. <laughs> right. Um, Seth yeah. hitting wide open shots. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man. Well, this was fun. It was fun to, to finally do this again. Oh, my God. It's been four months, dude. It's been a third of a year without basketball. Yeah. 
but it's finally back, and we'll be back with you on a weekly basis here, Let's starting go. today. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Is there any uh, any other final words or any other final like you can get wild, make a prediction, anything that uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I'll make a wild prediction. Okay. Mavs go six and two and move out of the seven spot. Oh! Let's go! Let's go! Oh my God! It's possible, man. It's possible. You looked at their schedule. It's possible. I'm they saying. just got to take care of business. Yeah, man. Got to take care of business. And shout we'll keep doing. Gear, What's up? And shout out Bed Gear. Oh yeah, I love Bed Gear. I'm gonna be dreaming in my bed gear mattress tonight about going six and two and moving out of the seven seed. Let's go. And it's going to be comfortable. It's going to be amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Yep. All right. This thing is getting rolling. It starts today. Mavs Lakers, 6 p.m. Central time. You can watch the game on mavs.com slash live. You can also listen on 103.3 FM. And I believe you can watch it on NBA TV as well. Yes. Uh, yes. The next scrimmage will also, that is on uh, July, tw- or July 26th. Yeah, it's July. Oh, my God. Uh, July 26th. That will also be on NBA TV. The final one you can catch on Fox Sports Southwest with my guy Skin Wade on the call. It is going to be awesome. And I'll be the ready. real games begin next week. That is whenever we will be back with you on Numbers on the Boards. In the meantime, sleep on your bed gear mattress. Dream of going 6-2. and two. And uh, send love to Skin because, oh my God, he's about to he's about to have to work so hard to call these games on TV, and I'm so excited. I'm excited to, to be working on. Uh, let's go, baby! I can't wait. Let's do it. All right, uh, that's that's it for me and Skin. Skin, thank you, thank you for Dear listening. Brother. Please uh, right. subscribe, rate, review, numbers on the boards, do all that stuff. We'll be back with you next week, and we'll see you then.